Hello, and thanks for being here for the Bottom Up Revolution podcast, where we share the stories of the Strong Towns movement in action. I'm Rachel Quetno. Today's guest hails from Hyattsville, Maryland, a growing inner ring suburb of Washington, D.C. that is majority renters and historically working class. Danny Shibley is a city council person, a Strong Towns member, and the founder of the Hyattsville Street Design Team. I know you're going to want to hear more about that last one especially. Shibley has a degree in landscape architecture and spent years working for the National Park Service. He brings that love of public space and awareness of design issues to his leadership in the Hyattsville City Council. Like so many people that you've probably heard on this show, Shibley got pulled into local politics when an issue in his neighborhood grabbed his attention, in this case, a misguided and poorly thought out development down the street. As he became involved in learning and advocacy around that project, he eventually decided to step up and run for city council and won in 2019. In addition to all that, he also got inspired to start a street design team in his city after reading about this concept in the Strong Towns book, Confessions of a Recovering Engineer. His team of dozens of residents has discussed the book together, conducted bike tours and walk audits, and looked at crash data on dangerous roads in Hyattsville, among other things. I hope this conversation gets you thinking about how you might even organize something similar in your own city. Danny Shibley, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. It is great to have you on the show today. Yes, thank you very much. I'm so glad to be here. Can you start by telling us a little about yourself and what led you to you know, step up and be a leader and an advocate in your community? Okay. Um, well, I'm originally from Seattle, Washington. I spent the first 30 years of my life on the West Coast uh, between Washington, Oregon, and California. Um, I moved out to the D.C. area about 10 years ago, and I've been living in the municipality of Hyattsville for six years. I got involved in local Hyattsville politics. Uh, There was a development issue where uh, it happened to be about a block from my house where a developer was looking to build uh, right adjacent to our main park area in a floodplain. And they were also demolishing a perfectly reusable 130,000 square foot uh, former office complex in that development and putting in lower density development. And I raised many objections to that project, got me kind of tied into other people engaged in local land use and development issues. Ultimately, I decided to run for the Hyattsville City Council back in 2019 and And fortunately, I was successful in that effort, and I've been serving on the Hyattsville City Council for the last three plus years. Very cool. And did you have a background in like land use or, you know, zoning issues or anything like that beforehand? Or did you just kind of get fired up when this happened in your neighborhood? Well, maybe tangentially, I do have a degree in landscape architecture. Um, So I'm not a planner, but I I guess I'm in a kind of an allied discipline. And my professional career has been with the National Park Service. So actually, probably most directly related to that particular effort was I have been involved in historic preservation type of work. And the the building that was demolished was the former headquarters to the water and sewer utility 
uh, for this portion of suburban Washington, D.C. They were called the Washington Suburban Sanitary Commission. And they used to be headquartered in Hyattsville. They kind of outgrew our community and needed to expand further beyond what the site could support. Uh, so that building had sat vacant, mostly surrounded by residential homes. That building had sat vacant for 20 years. Several developers had, had shown interest in adaptive reuse of that building. In fact, the uh, architecture program at the nearby University of Maryland did a uh, studio course working with some local developers to demonstrate how that building could be adaptively reused. It's kind of a cool art deco, uh, modern structure. And most importantly, the site is kind of split into two portions. You've got the upper lot, which is entirely out of the floodplain, and the lower lot, which was uh, paved and used for parking. The current development proposal is to kind of flip that kind of reasonable way to develop that property. They've cited their density down on the lower lot uh, in the form of townhouses, and on the upper lot is single-family homes, and that was kind of a, a out of concern for the other single-family homes that line that block, so they didn't want to put higher density next to those single-family homes, figuring there'd be less objection, but the outcome of that is that the density is close to a river and likely subject to flooding. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it's so interesting how those like public works buildings can be beautiful. Like I'm in Milwaukee and we definitely have a few of those where you're like, wow, look at the effort people put into this like water treatment facility or something. We don't we don't really do that anymore. It's it's too bad. But that's uh that's probably a separate conversation. <laughs> sure. Sure. But that 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 was the gateway for me getting involved in local politics and it's it's actually still a contested issue. The development for that project has started. There's been some uh, related litigation by the city and by uh, kind of private groups. Uncertain exactly how that will pan out, but I don't think that's the focus of this conversation and happy to talk about whatever you'd like to talk about. Yeah, no, but that's a really interesting entry point. How did you get connected with Strong Towns and decide to become a member? <laughs> so again, related to that development project, one of the very engaged citizens of, of Hyattsville I can't remember exactly what it was, but he sent me, I think, the web page and maybe a link to the podcast. Uh, not this podcast, but the one that's hosted by Chuck Marone, I think just called Strong Towns. And I loved it. You know, I, I really, it, the message really resonated with me. Uh, I think that it paints a compelling and comprehensive criticism of the way we do development in the United States and a lot of the problems associated with that. So um, I found it extremely useful and informative for what I'd like to get done on the Hyattsville City Council. That's good to hear. So we've been talking a lot about Hyattsville. For people who are listening who aren't familiar with the city, you know, what what is Hyattsville, Maryland like? What are some of the best things you have going on and what are some of the challenges? So Hyattsville is in Maryland. It is about a mile from the D.C. line. So the, the District of Columbia is uh, geographically quite a small area. The metro area for D.C. is about 10 million, while the city itself, I think, is about 700,000. So most of that urban uh, development associated with D.C. falls outside the district line. Um, and Hyattsville is an inner ring suburb 
It is, like I said, a mile from the metro. It's got pretty old roots, which are good. Um, in fact, the motto for our city is a world within walking distance. And I think that motto will, would resonate with, with a lot of Strong Towns uh, you know, uh, advocates. It was a streetcar suburb, and that streetcar provided access to commuters to get into the city and their jobs and live just outside the city limits. And public transit is still vital to our identity and our lifestyle. We have uh, two, we're, I'd say we're really blessed to have two metro stations. So the, uh, the, the public transit metro uh, system in Washington, D.C., Two of those stations are in Hyattsville. Uh, Hyattsville is small. It's only two and a half square miles. Um, we've got 21,000 residents. Um, and I'd say demographically and population-wise, we are growing. Um, we've seen a lot of development in Hyattsville. Between 2010 and 2020, we grew by about 20%. So we do have a lot of development, particularly clustered around those two metro stations. Got it. So you got fired up about, um, you know, local issues and decided to run for city council a few years back. What was it like to run and then uh, be elected? Uh, it was it was really exciting. I, I found it very fulfilling. Um, I'm blessed to have a supportive wife and children who can accommodate some of the uh, away time that running a campaign and I guess being involved in local politics requires. My wife in particular has a background in electoral politics. Of course, we're in Washington, D.C., so this is the uh, the headquarters for, for those types of careers. Um, but she was able to be a big, a big help and kind of provide some of the mechanical support and know-how to, to, to do it. But again, it's small. It was a matter of knocking on a lot of doors. When I ran in 2019, that was right before we implemented vote by mail. And for municipal elections, turnout tends to be pretty small. Um, we've been able to double that by allowing people the ease and access of voting by mail. To win my seat, I believe I got about 400 votes, if my memory serves me right. And the runner-up, I think, got about 350 votes. So it was fairly close. I'd say you know, I don't know who voted for me, but I am probably on a first name basis with most of them. That's awesome. And then what have you been working on um, since being elected? What are some of the big issues? All kinds of issues. You know, the, I think the thing that is probably most pertinent to our discussion, I mean, there's a lot of things that are pertinent. Um, but uh, one thing that I that I recognized you know, we've got all kinds of civic engagement in the city. There's a lot of citizen-run committees, task forces. Um, we get a lot of our work done just by the good graces of, of our residents. One thing we don't have is any group organized around transportation issues. After I read uh, Confessions of a Recovering Engineer, I felt very inspired to uh, create a street design team. So that's been one of the more rewarding things and ultimately, I think, fruitful engagements that, that I will be involved in and that, and that hopefully will outlive my civic activity in the city of Hyattsville, or at least at the city council level. Um, we've got a group that is growing. I should say, tangentially, 
I did just run for mayor of Hyattsville, and I was unsuccessful in that effort. I lost by a respectable margin. I got 42% of the overall vote, but I lost. In that campaign, one good outgrowth of that campaign was raising awareness about the street design team. And it was a great way to recruit because I knocked on several thousand doors and the univer- a, a near universal concern within Hyattsville is street safety and issues around transportation and and if, in a sense that there's not enough attention paid to these issues. We've got about 40 people involved in the Hyattsville street design team now, certainly enough to be you know, strong advocates for change. We, at least when we started, our first thing was to read Confessions of a Recovering Engineer. So we read that as a group and had several group discussions. And it's a perfect mix of some people that have very professional backgrounds in transportation and others who are just concerned with no specific experience. We've done things like walk audits. Um, we've done bicycle tours. We actually have a very good transportation study that was done by a consulting and planning firm that actually got called out as good at doing this in the uh, in the confessions of a recovering engineer. That's tool design, um, and they're very focused on improving walkability, making connections within the neighborhood, uh, focused on street safety initiatives. So we've got this plan that at this point hasn't been executed. It's got a few of the things have been executed, um, but there's lots of fertile ground for us to advocate on and things that things that already have some have a level of city buy-in as they're in our approved transportation study. So that's given us uh, good opportunities to uh, advocate for, for change. Yeah, the street design team sounds really fascinating, like a, a model that other people might want to try to use in their community too. Is it like an official government, you know, group, or is this is this sort of in your capacity as a as a citizen? So interesting and topical question. Um, the answer is currently we're informal, and there's benefits. We, we've done we've had discussions. Do we want to be an official committee? Or are there benefits in remaining just a group of concerned citizens that meets? There are regulations that we'd have to conform to if we made it an official committee, but there's certainly benefits. We'd have a direct channel to the Hyattsville City Council. We would probably have more access to transportation partners at the county and state level if we were official committee as opposed to just a group of citizens meeting informally. There are uh, folks within the city staff right now who have been raising that question. And my response is, I don't want to decide. I want to see what the street design team wants. And I, I don't want to, I want them, I want this group to be empowered and be able to, you know, make decisions like this for themselves. So that's on the agenda for our next meeting and we'll see how it goes. Got it. And what are your your next steps with this group? You know, kind of regardless how that pans out, what are your hopes for next steps? Are you like advocating on certain issues or pushing for certain um, things? Or is it more focused on just educating people and getting them thinking about transportation topics? All of the above. We've had several discussions at this point. And I think for us to be effective, 
there's too, you know, the universe is too big, even within a two and a half square mile city like we live in, to be engaged in everything. So we we need to focus. Uh, my feeling is we need to focus on on where we want to, you know, focus attention on. You know, one of the things that I like so much about Strong Towns and and reading the book Confessions of a Recovering Engineer are the sort of taxonomy it gives to roads between uh, streets, roads, and strodes. We have a lot of strodes in Hyattsville. Um, we just within the last week, we had a pedestrian hit on uh, a road called a strode, excuse me, called East West Highway, and wound up in intensive care. And I'm not exactly sure their current status. Um, that was just four or five nights ago. Um, and these type of issues are not are not at all uncommon. It's it's well known that the county that Hyattsville is in, Prince George's County, has the most dangerous roads in the state of Maryland and really the entire metro DC area. And it's because I you know I'd never heard this before. And absent you know the work and the adv- advocacy that you guys provide, it's because we have so many of these strodes. It's it's pretty simple. And if you look at the crash data, which our group has looked at, the preponderance of the vehicular accidents that that are happening in our community are in these areas. Um, So with the group, you know, there's sort of, there's sort of things that we have internal controls and jurisdiction over and certainly problem areas, but for us to be effective, we need to develop these partnerships with state and county partners to be able to really advocate for the problem areas in our community. Yeah, that makes sense. I imagine many of those roads are, yeah, like county roads or even state highways potentially. They are. We, you know, a couple initiatives. There's a stretch from my house. I'm about a mile to the nearest metro station, and my wife will not walk that mile because she doesn't feel safe. So, uh, you know, it it should be this great transit asset, and for her if she's going to use it she's going to she's going to drive to park in the park and ride because the road that you take to get there is a county road it doesn't have sidewalks it's got a uh a, a lot of accidents along there uh, there have been discussions for decades this is something some research we've done we found plans dating back to the 1990s about ways to calm traffic on there the current initiative is to work with the county and actually transfer that section of that particular road is called Hamilton Road. Transfer that to the city of Hyattsville and try to negotiate uh, some upgrades to the to to Hamilton before it's transferred. But we do have an initiative. There's ongoing negotiations between the city and the county to transfer that road and make it something. Be able to have the I guess the oversight and control to make it into a road that is more appropriate for that location. That sounds like a very challenging process. Like props to you guys for working on that. And hopefully, I hope you guys do get control over that strode. I mean, I think we will. I think the county would be happy to offload it uh, and the maintenance requirements that go along with it. I think for us, it's we want to make sure we're getting something that's in good condition, at least at the time that we get it. So that's that's sort of our position is make some improvements to it and then we will we we will take over ownership responsibilities. Thinking about other you know efforts and issues that you've worked on in city council, um, 
and the, the time when you were elected, I'm imagining, you know, much of your leadership in city council has been during, you know, the, the beginning and continuance of the pandemic. How have you, you know, handled that and how are things going in, in Hyattsville, you know, two plus years on? We've moved to uh, off-site city council meetings. Our city building was largely closed for a good chunk of, of uh, the, I guess, the, the worst period of the pandemic. But things are beginning to return to uh, normal. This is our first year, for instance. You know, we've got festivals. Uh, it's the first year that we did our, our city parade. We celebrated the 130th anniversary of the city of Hyattsville. That was the first year. Um, that we had festivities associated with that. Um, we had a big Juneteenth uh, celebration and uh, a public concert recently. So we're starting to get some of these uh, fun city activities are returning again. With the council, we haven't met in person. We're actually, we uh, are redesigning our council chambers to give a little bit more space and really to allow for hybrid meetings. You know, one thing, one thing we learned is that in many ways, we've had greater attendance to our Hyattsville City Council meetings since we started to allow people to zoom into them. We don't want to lose that, but we also do want to return to the, to our council, uh, you know, our physical location. Uh, that'll probably, it's probably still some time off because we've got to make these infrastructure upgrades, but, um, I kind of look forward to seeing everyone again. And where I'm talking to you now is uh, I've got two kids and my 10-year-old son has high needs autism. When I'm meeting at my house, it's not always, I I can't always count on perfect uh, peace and quiet. I I look forward to getting back to to our council. So it seems like you are very connected with residents in Hyattsville, especially through the street design team. Are there other ways that you and and or your fellow city council members really pay attention to listening to resident needs and concerns and um, connecting to those those bottom up, you know, citizens who care about making their town stronger? Certainly. Um, the committees, you know, there, there's the street design team, but then there's the official city committees. Those are those are great ways to just pick your topic. We have a race and equity committee. We have a planning committee. Um, we have a code compliance committee, um, you know, whatever your interest and or area of concern is about local city government, um, there are different ways for, for citizens uh, to engage. One of the most beneficial things that I've done uh, in my three years on the council is to put out a newsletter. I try to get it out every month, but it's I'm not the fastest writer and I take my time and try to have citations as needed and links and stuff like that. But it's a great way to, I think, show people uh, what the city's up to and what you're up to as their representative. I get a lot of feedback on the newsletters I put out and uh, some good, some bad, mostly pretty good. I feel like without that, we have a council meeting, we may get 15 to 30 attendees. We're a city of 20,000 people. So most people, there's kind of a, a separation between the ongoing business of the city council and then what the residents of Hyattsville are aware of. So communications are important and that's a great way to get people involved. One, you know, one thing that 
I did work on and worked on this with the coalition of Hyattsville residents. We got this passed recently, especially during COVID. There were a lot of complaints in the community about noise pollution, specifically from gas-powered leaf blowers. And it turns out gas-powered leaf blowers on top of making a lot of noise pollute the air uh, quite a bit too. And there are alternatives to gas-powered leaf blowers. And there's sort of a regional approach that's kind of taking shape in the DMV, the DC, Maryland, Virginia area uh, to address this. So we worked on a phased-in ban that included a rebate program for trading in a gas-powered leaf blower for an electric leaf blower. And that was really, I think, a grassroots effort, you know, um, that had several dozen uh, Hyattsville residents provide testimony, help draft the legislation. You know, I've, I'm a parent of two, and I have a full-time day job. And honestly, I don't have the bandwidth to do everything. And, and if I am doing everything, it's, there's probably not that much community support anyways. So I, I try to engage where there is are issues that A, I, I agree with, but B, where there are there's ongoing interest in the community and that things can be done collaboratively. Yeah, sounds like a good approach. What are some of the initiatives or issues that you're excited to be working on, you know, in the coming months and years or the, the rest of your term here? Our whole region, you know, Hyattsville has been largely a working class community since its inception. And uh, we're a very diverse community, but we also, we're also a majority renter community. So we're about 55, 60% of uh, Hyattsville residents are renters. A lot of the apartments are kind of post-World War II garden style apartments. And these are uh, naturally occurring affordable housing units, or at least were. We've done studies to look at the trajectory of things and we are rapidly losing this you know reservoir of naturally occurring affordable housing units um, and at the same time property values have spiked dramatically so you've got longer tenured uh homeowning residents in hyattsville who are really struggling to pay their property tax assessments so one of the things that i that I ran my mayoral campaign on, and I intend to follow through even though I didn't win the mayoral campaign, is to look at ways to preserve affordable housing that we do have in Hyattsville, and to also look at, we've got a mechanism called the Homestead Tax Credit that, that limits property tax increases if you, if you live in an owner-occupied home. Um, we currently have a pretty weak standard for that that allows up to a 10% year-over-year assessment increase. I'd like to reduce that to provide, you know, a little more of a meaningful insulation and buffer for residents that are experiencing pretty dramatic increases in their property taxes. Yeah, a lot of important stuff. To close us out here, what advice would you give for somebody that's listening that uh, might be interested in trying to start a street design team where they live or, you know, also run for city council, do some of the things that you've been involved in in Hyattsville? If you're interested in starting a street design team, 
I'd be happy to speak with you directly. I, I'd say for starters, uh, read Confessions of a Recovering Engineer. That's what that's what planted the idea in my head, and it gives, I think, some kind of a kind of a framework for for what to consider uh, when creating a street design team for getting involved in local politics. Or you know, I, I'd say before you consider running for city council, try to get involved on issues in it within your community. I guess get a feel for what those issues are and try to engage and attend city council meetings and reach out to your city council representatives and get a feel for what what that process is like. And and once you become familiar with that and how things work, if you decide that you know you think that you could make a difference in that capacity, wholeheartedly encourage you to, to take that next step. But do know that it's more than just attending a meeting every two weeks, and it's more than just reading your council packet. Uh, sometimes you get asked on podcasts, which is, of course, great, but there are uh, a lot of constituent services, and it has to be a, uh, you know, something that, something that you love. Fortunately, I do love it. It doesn't pay a full-time salary, but to do it effectively, it's pretty close to full-time work. Um, so, so, so be prepared for giving it your all. It certainly deserves uh, all the attention that, that uh, people can muster. I've found it to be one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. That's great to hear. Well, thank you so much, Danny, for coming on the podcast. Thanks also for, for being a member of Strong Towns. Just really appreciate the chance to hear from you and share your story. Of course, Rachel, thank you so much. And Strongtown listeners, what a great organization. I'm so proud to be a part of, of the work that you guys do. Thank you. Okay, I will make sure to post Danny's contact info as he so generously offered and other related links in the show notes as always. I am looking for guest recommendations. I've got several shows ready for you for the next few weeks, but after that, my schedule is kind of open. So if you have a suggestion for somebody that might be a good fit to come on the show, please email me, rachel at strongtowns.org. Thank you to our Strong Towns members. Thanks to folks like Danny Shibley who are out there in their cities doing the work to build Strong Towns and also supporting this movement financially so that other people can also do this work and also get inspired. So if you'd like to join folks like Danny, please become a member at strongtowns.org slash membership. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with the next episode. Mm-hmm.